Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think you got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And we're in the booth uh, another week to talk sports with you from 2 to 3 here all week. I'm looking forward to it. The Super Bowl is set. Orange basketball easing out of this uh, down period between games. Back to action Wednesday night in the Dome, 7 o'clock against Boston College. Lacrosse coming upon us here. Women's basketball with a big win yesterday. Uh, certainly not a surprise that they won the game. The crowd was something that we talked about and uh, we will address over the course of the show today. Plus whatever might be on your mind at 437-7644 ESPN 44 if you'd like to join us, the Pats and the Eagles, two explosive, volatile fan bases, two uh, very good teams this year. Certainly the uh, Patriots dynasty, the Eagles trying like heck for a long time, back in the Super Bowl for the first time in more than a decade, and uh, looking forward to that a little less than two weeks away. You can start working on your Super Bowl party recipes and all that good stuff, getting ready for uh, what ought to be really a good game. Max talking about the spread there in his sports center. And when you've got Bill Belichick and Tom Brady on your team, you're going to be the favorite. And they continue to click like a machine and have uh, not only set themselves up for this Super Bowl, they're losing at least two and maybe three coaches to other teams as soon as the Super Bowl is over because everybody wants a piece of what's going on there. From a fan perspective, an observer perspective, though, it appears maybe a great deal to the opposite. To me, the fatigue or the the uh, conspiracy theories, et cetera, related to the Patriots are very thinly veiled as jealousy on, on my part, uh, at least from my perspective. The... Uh, Patriots win yet, you know, watching and this again presupposes, I guess, that Twitter is an accurate representation of the fan base or the uh, consumer population. And I don't know if that's actually accurate because uh, Twitter's farcical when it comes to it being an echo chamber of one or two ideas that uh, continue to get thrown around there. But the concept, we're going to get to it later with Joe Salzone's segment the con- well the uh patriots had the refs on their side or the patriots had fewer penalties so obviously this was rigged by the NFL no the patriots are are better they're just better they have a better owner they have a better coach they have a better quarterback than your team period a lot of the owners are kind of on the same level i think you either make a significant no holds barred commitment or you don't so I don't think Robert Kraft is especially unique in that area, but he's up there. Bill Belichick is probably the best that's ever done it. Tom Brady is probably the best that's ever done it. And those two together to get to an eighth Super Bowl together, which is obviously unprecedented, is incredible. And tip your cap to Doug Marone. 
great season for the Jaguars. Good days ahead for a really talented roster. But you could just sense it. They got off to a good start. Even that's a little bit of an upset. Kicked themselves in the foot near the end of the first half with a delay of game penalty coming out of a timeout, which is just hard to comprehend in any uh, circumstance. And then you just know the Patriots are going to chip away, and if you give them any chance. You know, for me it was the punt return late by Danny Amendola kind of set up a short field. Yep, that was just enough urging, or Tom Brady uses the word spark. They need just a little spark. Right, the delay game was one thing that was a setback for the Jaguars. A third down and 18 conversion in the second half for the Patriots was critical. And if you give them a chance, they're going to do things. And the inevitable is that Brady is going to engineer a lead-taking drive, and one of the smallest guys on the field is going to stick it to you. Brady turns, play action, has all day, throwing back of the end zone, leaping up, Amendola pulls it in, touchdown! Danny Amendola along the back line of the end zone from four yards out climbs the ladder and may have just climbed the Patriots back to the Super Bowl. Kevin Kugler on the call there on Westwood One and uh, just so it's, it's as dramatic as a predictable script can be. You know, we've seen it so many times before. The Patriots are going to get it done. They're going to come back. They're going to snuff the life out of you. But uh, still... You know what? I like IBM, and I like Apple, and I like the Yankees, and I like Notre Dame. And I, I, I guess I'm, I'm maybe in the minority. I root for excellence, um, and I found myself not necessarily rooting for the Patriots, but being totally fine with it. Like if they, if they're the best, and they continue to rise to the top, go for it. The idea of, um. You know, kind of shooting holes in in what they do to me just comes off as entirely small minded. I want to set this aside just slightly. Really bad look. You know, there's the thing going around a, a little bit like, uh, you know, hey, the Patriot of the Week is the official Cleet Blakeman, who is the the referee. The game's over, and he runs by and taps up Tom Brady in the chest and keeps going. That's a really bad look. I'm, I'm just going to say that uh, doesn't mean the game was thrown or the league uh, conspired or uh, rigged it for the Patriots to win. But uh, And the only other caveat I'll have is that referees, the Whitecaps, and quarterbacks have close relationships because of the way the game is managed in terms of protecting the quarterback over the game. Uh, but I didn't really need to see, and I'm sure Eagles fan, or uh, Jaguar fans didn't need to see the ref kind of giving him an attaboy and congratulations uh, to the quarterback on the the way off the field. Um, you, know, you just hinted at one, Polly. The one of the ones that I think fans are upset that is supposedly, oh well, sure enough, here's the penalty call against the against uh, the Jaguars that's going to seed things for the Patriots. The pass interference call down the left side. That what? Did you want to call? Like, so I saw somebody say it was uncatchable. What are you talking about? It landed four feet away from him, inbound, and uh, the receiver was, you know, had two hands on him and was, you know, in essence, held up along the side. That's pat. That's the definition of pass interference. What? What am I missing? I was actually surprised to see uh, Trey Wingo. Somebody and, and uh, it was either Wingo and Jeff Saturday. I think this morning on uh, Golik and Wingo kind of made 
the case that oh gee that that uh, was a bad call as, as sort of a, a given. Maybe maybe I missed it. I'd, I'd be open to seeing it again, but I must have whiffed on that one. I saw it. He grabbed the guy by his head as he was going. Yeah. The, what do you want? You know that, and I, I on a bigger picture, I just feel like we've come to a point where when some something happens, we can't accept a victory or a loss. You know. Yeah. Right. Like you just. The better team won. It's bottom line. Well, I also think, you know, this whole concept of the world we live in now where uh, instant replay is a thing, Every and there's so much voice for everybody. There's so much review and opportunity to uh, hash and rehash every item. I think because of the amount of conversation there is now around big games, it leaves the door open for that. Uh you know, 80% of the fans in the league are fans of teams that were not participating yesterday, right? More than that, really, because only four teams were. And, you know, maybe you've got your hated rivalry. Like, I do think it's dumb that, you know, the Empire State Building, New York City, puts up the colors of the Super Bowl teams. Mm -hmm. You know, like, New York's allowed to hate both the Patriots uh, and the Eagles. There's been a lot of time in in, uh, building that up. That was a little bit odd to see. But, uh you know, the Patriots going back there, it's an incredible model. You can see why the other teams are tapping in. The Lions are waiting for this all to end to hire Matt Patricia. The uh, Colts are waiting for this all to end to hire Josh McDaniels. The Titans just announced Mike Vrabel, the former Patriot, uh, officially as their head coach. And so they, they've they got the – at least Bill Belichick is, is the fountain. Now, whether that actually – spreads to other teams and other through other guys that hasn't really uh borne out over time but uh the belichick brady combo is incredible can i hit one more thing on the officials here the uh there's three coaches belichick you know all going the other two are going to the to other teams in the nfl the penalty is not being called maybe because (laughs) the players have pretty good coaches yeah discipline and you know and We'll get to we'll not uh, steal Joe's thunder for his uh, segment uh, later on that, but that um, that alone is not enough. You, you know, you're going to have to do more than that in terms of uh, telling me the the fixes in on those types of games. Uh, you're in the booth. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse show brought to you as always by Burdick Toyota and CH Insurance. We'll deal with the NFC game when we come back. Look ahead to the uh, tail end of the program where we will visit with. Brian Higgins, who's uh, playing a little hurt for us today, but wanted to touch base on a, a couple of notable items in Brian's realm. The uh, women's basketball team uh, with its uh, second largest Carrier Dome crowd ever yesterday and a win, so they're unbeaten at home. Uh, wanted to get Brian's input on that. And uh, about simultaneously was a men's lacrosse scrimmage, and uh, we'll get a feel for the new names and faces that we might be dealing with with uh, Coach Desco's team over the course of the season. It's a Monday in the booth. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse. The Orange women home again Thursday versus Clemson. Tip time, 7 o'clock. Orange pregame, 645. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Down to five. The countdown begins. Pure joy with a capacity crowd, with fireworks going overhead. The Eagles have beaten the Vikings in this NFC Championship game, 38-7. And for Great City of Philadelphia, starved for a championship. 
They get a Super Bowl rematch, a championship rematch with the New England Patriots in Super Bowl 52. Great Kevin Harlan there on Westwood One. The party set off, and certainly it was going before that because the game was such a blowout. I feel like Philadelphia and the Eagle fan base really embraces the meathead persona, football above everything. There's a picture before the game that was going around of a dude getting taken away by plainclothes policemen from a tailgating fight or some sort of scuffle. His face is all bloodied like a professional wrestler, and he's staring at the camera with his tongue out like, yeah, you know, that's me. I did Like, how bonkers are you? You get so loaded in the parking lot before the game. Forget about even rising to the point of being arrested. You get so loaded that you then are completely blotted by the time the game starts. What What is possibly the point of that? That you're either not going to remember anything that happened uh, in the game or uh, can't enjoy it, but I think some say, take a, a certain sick pride in that. And then post-game, well chronicled that the city of Philadelphia lubed up the various uh, telephone poles and power structures and stuff around the city with Crisco so that anyone inclined to climb them would have difficulty and would slip off. There's still a few of them got up there. Yeah, just nuts. Yeah, I, I, it may, this may make me sound old, but seeing those videos of Eagles fans and Bills fans makes me not want to go to games. Right? It really does. <laughs> I saw the deal where the kind of uh, Vikings, or well, I should say uh, Twin Cities Central uh, ticket broker wasn't, affiliated with the Vikings in any way, but was speaking to the Vikings fan base saying, hey, you got to be careful going into this particular enemy territory here wearing your Vikings colors because it could get uh, a little out of whack. Imagine winning an NFC championship game in Philadelphia. You're going to see a lot of uh, angry uh, folks, guys and gals, uh, taking it out on you. And did you see the thing? Speaking of going viral, how about the dude running alongside, whether it was, I guess, a bus or more likely a train, that then takes it full on right into the post beside the... <laughs> I did not see Oh, that. yeah. Oh, you got to it's, it's everywhere. You can Google that right now. But uh, he's running as if he's trying to either, I don't think he was late for the train, but kind of trying to keep it up with the train riders. Like, yeah, go Eagles. Wham. Right into... The beam outside on the uh, train landing, and uh, yeah, you're, whatever your Google machine you're working there, probably you're gonna find it over and over here. Guy in a jersey. Yeah, we need uh, uh, we need uh, Joe to get this up on uh, our Facebook page. Yeah, there you too. go. That's the guy. That's the guy. Play that real quick. I got a uh, oh, so much gone wrong. Yeah, the uh, popular uh, tagline for that particular one was. Um, you know, getting on the Eagles bandwagon like, and it shows this dude. Watch this here. This is a slow motion version. This doesn't do you any good. He's running along. Train's leaving the station. Oh, no. Oh. Wham. Oh, the slow motion helped him. <laughs> Full on into a 18-inch by 18-inch square beam that he didn't see coming. I mean, just completely wears it. He's okay, though. That's a good thing. Yeah, oh, they, somebody they, went and, yeah, they've and they scraped him up. The Philadelphia Inquirer has uh, said he is okay. Not a proud moment uh, for that particular uh, 
individual there. This game was a blowout. Obviously disappointing for those of us that are not uh, invested um, you know, in terms of the success of one team over the other. Didn't really care who won. Uh, from a Central New York perspective, I guess there'd be a slight lean for Latavius Murray, the Onondaga High School product uh, on the Vikings. But uh, Nick Foles is pretty good. You know, his backups go and was obviously coached up well by Doug Peterson. They changed the offense in a way that suited Nick Foles. And the play of the game in the NFC contest was the Vikings coming after Foles. They've got him bottled up, tight pocket, and he steps up and throws a rope to Alshon Jeffrey. Pocket is crumbling. He's hit once. He breaks away. He cocks his arm, throws downfield. He's got a receiver inside the five. Over the shoulder catch into the whites. Jeffrey pulls it in. Touchdown, Philadelphia. 53-yard strike. What a catch. What a throw. Again, our man uh, Kevin Harlan on the call there. Outstanding job by uh, Nick Foles. An outstanding job by uh, Kevin, as always, on the, the call chronicling that one. But uh, it was uh, all she wrote. Total blowout as the uh, Eagles whipped the Vikings and now the Eagles and Pats. Uh, should be an interesting game. No surprise the uh, Patriots installed as a favorite. Uh, Brady's injury will be cleared up a bit. Rob Gronkowski getting his bell rung in that game I thought was interesting as he got smoked in a uh, helmet-to-helmet collision by uh, Barry Church of uh, the Jaguars. Talking about officiating, I don't know how you'd actually make this happen necessarily, but I do like the concept of if you may, if a play like that, which I don't think he set out for it to be dirty, but it was dirty enough. It was a helmet to helmet con, uh, helmet to helmet contact. Like Doug Marone on his way off the field at halftime went out of his way to say he volunteered. Hey, that's a good call uh, for personal foul on that. Gronk's got to go out first of all in general before you even get to the actual concussion protocol rules. He's got to go out because it's the right thing to do until he can get his feet back under him. I like the idea that uh, Barry Church, in this case, the offending player on the hit, stays out as long as Gronk stays out. Yeah, like college. You're targeting, you're out, right? You're no, well, not really. It's not a function of how injured or how unavailable the other player was. And again, I suppose you could game the system a little bit by you know, now just holding him out for uh, strategic purposes. But if you uh, knock a guy into next week... Uh, with a dirty play. In other words... So if Gronk had been out three plays only, you would have said he's got to sit three plays only instead of just yes. kick him out of the rest of the game? Yes. Okay, I could see that. I would rather just kick it. If it's a dirty targeting, just throw him out for the rest of the game. You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, potentially. But again, it, it wasn't... I don't know that the intent was there, and then you can debate all day whether intent matters, but it wasn't, you know... They didn't hate for it to happen. You know what I mean? Like he was in the right neighborhood for it to happen. And and to me, um, in a game, any game, but in a, a super big game like that, you wouldn't want to see a, for a minimal penalty the ability to knock the other team's best player out of the game. Like, you know, losing Gronk is a game-changing loss. for That would be for anybody, uh, certainly the quarterback for any team. But uh, that almost happened there. Well, now if the, you know, the Patriots lose, they, they're doing it without – uh, their big horse and their major matchup problem. So uh, ended up uh, all working out, but Gronk, you know, now they're going to have to fudge. You know, don't be surprised now if the Patriots do say, hey. Uh, they got an extra week, though. That's I think right. So. Well, I mean, to me, you need a week to satisfy the concussion protocol, and that'll all take care of itself. That, uh, going into into the game now, Matt, you can't vote against the Pats, right? You can't of course not. Pay, you, you know, 
There's no way. I think five's. I mean, a I'm small not saying number. I'm not saying they are definitely going to win, but I'm saying they 100 percent have to be the the favorite, and they won without Gronk. Right, right, <laughs> in the bad hand. Right to beat the Patriots, you're going to need some sort of help, either a miraculous play or a career day on your part, or something that they do to help you. So if the Jaguars had won, one of the big plays in the game would have been that Miles Jack uh, fumble recovery where he just the Patriots had a big gainer on a screen play and Jack came from behind and just uh, was able to rip it out. That uh, almost looked like it maybe was going to be overturned. Uh, Jaguars did get it. Those are the types of things that you need to have happen in, in your case. Jaguars got off to an early lead. I think if they're due any uh, sort of criticism from the, the people that are out there charting plays and stuff, they would talk about maybe going away from what made them successful in the first three quarters uh, once it came to the fourth. But uh, with Leonard Fournette and the way they're they're primed, that's a uh, good-looking team. Doug Marone and uh, Tom Coughlin should be uh, proud of what they've done there and an opportunity for them uh, to continue to improve. It's just until number 12 is no longer the quarterback of the Patriots, I think everybody in the uh, AFC is uh, is a long shot. Yeah, do you uh, who do you do you think the the Jags will go after a quarterback in the offseason, or do you think they? Well, it's just... interesting now because the one that you'd think that they would go for is Eli Manning, yeah. and sounds like Eli Manning is locked in to the Giants at least to be given one more year by their new coach Pat Shermer, the uh, Vikings offensive coordinator. If that's not official, it's about to be. And then I think the from what the reporting says, the Vikings, or I'm sorry, the uh, Giants are going to kind of go for the hybrid idea here. One more shot with Eli and draft a quarterback and try to bring in one of these guys and and uh, Eli as the example and and uh, and away we go. But uh, to do as well as they did with Blake Bortles, and you have to give it to Bortles, who is an easy punching bag. He was legitimately good in that game yesterday. Yeah, and... Everybody says he's the worst quarterback in the NFL. If the if they can maybe get the next best quarterback, <laughs> right. are they going to be able to? Is that going to get him over? Well, the you look at who's going to be on the move: the Kirk Cousins of the world, and and what have you. I, I would imagine uh, Nathaniel Hackett is drooling over opportunities, perhaps to make any sort of uh, upgrade there, because there's so much talent elsewhere on the uh, the Jaguars roster. Uh, one other thing we didn't get to in the, the Sports Center, just while we have a moment here before we get to Joe and then Brian Higgins, we'll talk women's basketball and men's lacrosse here uh, in a second. New uh, shakeup in the uh, NCAA uh, Top 25. And, uh, of course, the Orange are still off that radar quite a bit. But now so is Kentucky, out of the poll for the first time in uh, four years. They were beaten by Florida on the weekend and and uh, lost their spot. Villanova tops both polls, followed by Virginia, Purdue, Duke, Kansas, Michigan State, West Virginia, and both. They're the same one to seven. Then the two Cincinnati schools, Xavier and Cincy, are uh, back-to-back. Carolina, 10. And then uh, Arizona, Oklahoma in both polls split the next two spots. Then Ohio State, Texas Tech, Gonzaga. So the uh, polls are more or less the same, one through 15. Clemson is ranked Syracuse doesn't see Clemson until the uh, last game of the regular season, and Clemson lost Dante Grantham, uh, its best player, over the weekend due to injury. Clemson holding off Notre Dame at home on Saturday. So that's the way the uh, polls are for now. Good to see that Duke got a break in recruiting. 
They have the uh, top three recruits for next year, Zion Williamson, who uh, would have been just a tremendous, you know, life-altering type get if Clemson had got him or even South Carolina if he'd stayed at home. But uh, now Duke with recruits one, two, and three for next year. Good, good to see them get a little boost because, you know, Duke recruiting has been down. Don't forget they also like have number 12, too. <laughs> Polly just called up the ESPN Top 100. looks like a bingo form there. You're almost connecting four at the top. One, two, three Duke logos, and then another one down the list. Syracuse has a, a pretty high S for uh, Darius Baisley uh, coming in for next year. as uh, Nine. Yeah, he's a top 10 recruit. And Jalen Carey at 37. 37, yeah, there you go. So, I mean, that and that's an uptick in terms of the uh, orange recruiting. Obviously, we're being facetious with Duke, who continues to – uh, get one uh, very good recruiting class after another. Uh, maybe we'll save my comment on that for uh, later in the year or later in the week. But the the thing I'll just say about that quickly is it's safe for these guys. It's safe to go to a place where you already know um, that the going is good and that they've had good players. They're going to keep some good players. They've got other players in your class that you're aware of and top level recruits are are going that way and uh that's the case for uh zion williamson and rj barrett and the the whole crew here uh headed to duke and that's how kentucky gets them in bunches and and has in in years past and it's a little different to go be the man like for him to go to clemson would have been really a jaw-dropping thing that would have gotten him a lot of attention but also been riskier and you know if he's as good as people Say he potentially is. Does he go to Clemson to be one of their best ever players? Does he? Does he go for a year or two? How much of a a pro a prospect is he? And to go outside of the, you know, top couple of blue blood programs calls on you to be your own man and and do something a little bit different. To to go to those gives you the protection of kind of the system. So, be interesting to see how that shakes out. But uh, right now in the ESPN rankings, at least. Duke has one, two, and three. Back with Do We Care with Joe Salzone as we roll along. You're in the booth. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse. Get on the block with Brent Axe. Liam McHugh on the block. Uh, I'm bringing the Belichick energy. All right, uh, Bill, can you tell us uh, what day it is, please? It's Friday. So, Liam, you're going to South Korea. Um, that must be exciting for you. The Olympics, that's, that's kind of a big deal, right? I'm uh, looking forward to it. We're on to South Korea. <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. On the block with Brent Axe, 4 to 6. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. Live from the DBOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care Here's Joe Salzone. The Jaguars are not happy after losing to the Patriots on Sunday. Cornerback A.J. Boye is taking issue with some of the officiating. I was pissed because I seen Amendola headbutt the hell out of Gip in front of the ref. Y'all don't call nothing in. He pushed him after, but y'all waiting for Gip to push. Like, it don't make no sense. The Jags were penalized six times for 96 yards, while the Patriots were penalized one time for 10 yards. Well, there's a lot of factors that go into it. One, one thing that's misleading, I think, sometimes when we talk about this and we bring it up in basketball all the time, that if team fouls are five to nothing, you can expect 
a foul to be called on the team that has zero to watch those even up. There's nothing in the rule book that ever says the fouls need to be evenly spotted or measured or whatever. The the very fact that more penalties was called on one team than the other is not a condemnation of the officiating. And obviously, if you lose your chance to go to the Super Bowl, you're going to be upset and looking for excuses and point, uh, fingers to point. So I don't necessarily blame A.J. Boye for doing that. He's uh, obviously a very good player, but I, I don't want to hear it with, well, they had six and we had one. I mean, first of all, the Jags had a delay of game penalty coming out of a timeout, which is really a inexcusable breakdown. The officials have nothing to do with that. So, uh, and to me, the the personal foul, or I'm sorry, the uh, pass interference that we addressed before, if, at least in my mind, that was an automatic, easy flag to throw. If you think otherwise, you got to show it to me again because uh, I didn't even need to see a replay, or maybe I, maybe I whiffed on that one. I don't know. I will say this while we're on the topic quickly of NFL officiating because it um, just top of mind. Enough with the uh, how severe the pass interference penalty is in the NFL. Let's cap it, whether it's 15 yards or even if you want to make it more than that. But in the NFL, if you're standing at the 50-yard line and you throw it to the five and there's pass interference, well, that's going to, you know, that's going to be a 45-yard penalty and it's now first and goal at the five. It's on the assumption that the ball would have been caught. Um, I don't know that I agree with that because it can make um you know but then i guess the flip side of it is in college if the the same thing and you tackled the guy it'd be only a 15 yard penalty so it uh sort of pays to do it but uh mike prayer i know was talking about capping um some of the punitive uh damages on, on some of these things i don't know if this is going to either feed to the conspiracy theories or explain why there was so little penalties called on the patriots the patriots are the second least penalized team in the nfl behind carolina so they don't commit a lot of penalties. Yeah, each game. Any anyone who objectively doesn't think the Patriots are better coached and better disciplined than most teams is not paying attention. You're just not uh, objectively looking at it. I mean, they they clearly are. Uh, they also have more college graduates than any other team. They have older players than any other team. They they know what they're doing. That doesn't surprise me at all that they're in the top. You know, I, I do think human nature uh, in officiating tends to uh, sway toward the favorite and, and some other things like that. And the, the Patriots are mostly the favorite. So uh, a lot of the, the whining and, and finger pointing at this stage is, is done by losers. Why don't you quickly do the bottom five there, Paulie and penalties. Seattle is the worst Miami, yeah. Houston, San Francisco, and the jets. Yeah. Jacksonville averages about seven Penalties a game, and that's about close yeah. to where they were. So, but okay, Joe. So. Dick LeBeau will not be returning to the Titans next season. The 80-year-old joined the Titans in 2015 as assistant head coach before switching ahead of the 2016 season to defensive coordinator, but his job was jeopardized on Saturday after the hiring of new head coach Mike Vrabel. LeBeau has either played or coached in the NFL for 59 seasons in a row. Yeah, he's a stud, Hall of Famer, incredible that he was at ages 78, 79, 80 years old, a defensive coordinator. You have to understand the mental gymnastics that goes on with these guys and um, the type of things that they're dealing with, the hours they work, et cetera. He's 80, um, was a tremendous player in his own right, 
still a scratch golfer. To me, really impressive dude. No surprise with uh, Mike Vrabel, who's uh, thought to be a uh, top-notch defensive mind coming in that they would make a, a change there. Maybe LeBeau lands somewhere as a consultant or, or something like that. But if not, he's had a, a tremendous run. And you know, at 80 years old, uh, it's not common to have a job like that. Yeah, sit down for a minute. Take a breath. And Vrabel was coached by LeBeau for three years, too. So it's not like he was definitely going to get canned and he may keep him around in some capacity so and matt you were telling me about this earlier team usa unveiling uniforms for the 2018 winter olympics uh, one thing that stands out heaters are embedded in the uniforms for the cold south korea climate yeah to be cl- clear that's not cigarettes no that's not <laughs> no. cigarettes but uh no that's a cool idea right if you have the technology you might as well the only other, you know, just to fill in the blanks on that, they apparently have some sort of battery-operated pack that heats up the jacket, and you can plug it into your cell phone and control it with an app on your phone. I think that's pretty cool, you know. So if you want to take advantage and show off on your your uh, technology, that that that's in the category. I guess though, if the Olympics are only every four years, it would stand to reason that there's evolution from one to the next. But that's in the category of why hadn't we thought of this before, uh, particularly as Americans who like to do things like that the other one uh i'm always curious about how the rest of the world views us and you notice that for years not that i'm a a fashionista by any stretch but these uh olympic uniforms they're all basically cowboy themed right for going back decades they wear the cowboy hat they in this case they've got the uh kind of the ruffles on their gloves as if everybody comes from Wyoming. Is that how, <laughs> right? Is that when, when we go into Korea, is that what they expect to see? Double fisting cheeseburgers while... Uh, well, you know, the blue jeans, and I think these are kind of, they look like they were denim pants. or something. Glove tassels are synonymous with America. <laughs> is that well known? Yes. Okay. Do We Care is brought the to country you, a little bit. <laughs> Do We Care is brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's love it for a slice. All right, back with Brian Higgins next. Brian, a little under the weather, but we're going to press him into service to... Fill us in on what we need to know from the uh, women's basketball game yesterday, as well as the uh, men's lacrosse scrimmage, which was a, a blowout of Vermont. More on that as we continue in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. All the best local takes. Orange Nation. How many possessions did we see that only Frank Howard touched the ball? Matt Park. Brother, that was a very composed, uh, rational phone call. That has uh, no place in, in this market. Daniel Ball. We have the sproutings of what looks like is going to be an amazing garden. But let me tell you something, baby. This year, we're not pulling any tomatoes off. We're not good enough. Brent Axe. They're missing something. Well, what they're missing is Torian Thompson. Listen back on iTunes or ESPN. PNSyracuse.com. The Crunch make their final trip to Place Bell in Laval against the Rocket this Wednesday. Countdown to Crunch Time starts at 7.15. Talk drop at 7.30 on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Back in the booth here until uh, 3 o'clock today. Just kind of skimming uh, through Twitter during the break there. The Mike Vrabel uh, press conference for the Tennessee Titans was uh, happening just a moment ago. And uh, kind of an incendiary comment here that uh, will really fire up the pay college athletes crowd. Vrabel says, quote, the NFL has the greatest farm system in the world. We pay those coaches $10 million to be our farm system. Nick Saban is our farm system. Urban Meyer is our farm system. 
yeah, you don't pay them $10 million, first of all, and uh, you don't pay the players at all. And I'm not one of those pay the players uh, or pay the student athlete uh, crowd. I'm not in that uh, group. That's a topic for another time. But no, you pay them to kind of scout. You pay them to teach the right way. And I think a better, smarter way to put it is, look, at the very top programs, like those two, and he had coached uh, briefly at Ohio State, at Ohio State and Alabama, they train players for the pros. Not every program does, um, but uh, there are a couple where they are getting applicable experience. Not only are they the, the best of the best, but the way they're coached is that way as well. So we're stalling a little bit. Brian Higgins is with us. Hello, Brian. And uh, we thought we would you know, just maybe condense the segment a little bit because we know you're uh, playing hurt today. Well, you know, I was doing important things during the break. Uh, I was glove shopping, uh, thanks to Paulie's suggestion there. I, I'm actually in the market for a pair of gloves, and I had no idea I needed tassels in my life. The strange thing, though, is I Googled, Googled that up real quick and was not presented immediately with a link anywhere to click on and probably spend like $700 on a pair of gloves. So yeah, that, right. What do you suppose those uh, retail? I guess we'll find out what they retail for, but it looked <laughs> like... Um, you know, a sort of Scandinavian-inspired sweater there with lots of, you know, snow bursts and patterns and, and that kind of thing. And then the uh, the tasseled gloves, never never really understood that to begin with, but the more to my point would be the rest of the world just views us all as cowboys, like we're all ranch hands. And and so that, that our cross-country skiers and ski jumpers and Whatever, they were all just on a horse yesterday? Is that how we're, what we're led to believe? Yeah, I mean, I think Sean White should do like the half pipe in the tasseled gloves and just really rub it yeah, in people's well, face. I, would. That would be as, as American as we could pull it off. All right, uh, big crowd yesterday. Brian, we <laughs> talked about uh, this in the, the week up, the build up and the community input to uh, buy a lot of tickets and uh, paper those around the community for an opportunity. And I'm not as terribly interested in the number or anything like that more so that when 8,000 people show up in the Dome, it needs to be a good show, and it was with a, a lopsided win and a really representative uh, performance yesterday in terms of how the Syracuse women play. Yeah, and I'll say the same thing I said last year after there was 11,000 in there against Notre Dame, and that was a loss, but that was as entertaining a women's basketball game last year that was ever in. Uh, the Carrier Dome of the game yesterday was uh, as representative, I think, of how this year's Syracuse team plays and I look around that building and that's 11,000 last year and 8,000 yesterday and uh, my eyes tell me those people are having a good time like if they were not having a good time they they really faked it so <laughs> there's more home games come back to the carrier dome you know where it is now you know where the team is you know the team's fun to watch come back they're playing on Thursday they're playing uh, they might not be number 2 anymore anymore since they lost uh, yesterday but they're playing Louisville in a couple weeks. I mean there's some really good games coming down the pike and uh, I watch uh, uh, certainly the crowd yesterday there's a lot of families out there, a lot of young girls that are watching uh, players they have a chance to emulate down the line. It would be uh, great for them to come back out but they they saw yesterday Matt what we've seen for years now. It's a team that's going to shoot a ton of threes. They're going to run around, put a lot of pace into the game, and it was a fun watch yesterday and a, a really important win, I think, for the season because they've lost those 
couple tough ones on the road, it was important to get back on track. Sure, and I won't claim to have seen uh, any other Pittsburgh games. I know Pittsburgh has historically not been a strong program, but I, I see what happens sometimes when the Syracuse women play the way they want to. They speed up the other team to an uncomfortable degree. Pitt made 20 turnovers, took some quick shots. The Orange won that game 70-52, uh, to 52, led as usual by uh, Tiana Mungakahia, who, who herself is worth uh, the price of admission. And Brian, you know, my personal opinion is, yeah, it's great to have the one game where it's eight, ten thousand, and hopefully that happens again. Uh, I would think, on behalf of the uh, growth of the women's program here, if there were two thousand or twenty five hundred fans at every game, it would be uh, tremendous, and you can see the impact or the buzz that it sort of adds when it's otherwise maybe a, a sterile environment in there. The the game you're talking about is uh, Super Bowl Sunday against Louisville, which is important. Uh, I mean, that's a huge game, and the Super Bowl doesn't kick off till 6.30. That game tips off at 1. I, I think you can you can fit both into your afternoon. You can uh, go to the game, go home, whip up your dip, go to the party. I mean, you got you got to yourself a full day there. But And that's, that's going to be a, a really big game because Syracuse has beaten Florida State, who just beat Louisville yesterday. So now they have a really big win, and if they can get another really big win at home, over a Louisville team in a couple of weeks, now, now you're feeling really good about NCAA tournament seeding and, and stuff like that. But even last year, in that loss to Notre Dame with a, a legit 11,000 people in there, you could just see the energy. And yeah, it's not going to be 30,000, and it doesn't need to be 30,000. But you can see when you get the numbers up uh, above 5,000, even in the dome where where maybe that doesn't look like a lot. It still feels like a good environment in there. So people that may think that, Oh, what am I just a a couple people added to it in a crowd. That's not the size of a men's crowd. It's not that, I mean, it can still get loud in there with uh, that amount. And I think, I think the ladies really enjoy playing in front of it. And I think it really helps them out. All right, my friend, good stuff. Hope you feel better. Brian will be on the call on Thursday night as the uh, orange take on Clemson, the dome, and then back for Louisville on the uh, Super Bowl Sunday on the 4th. We'll get into some of the lacrosse stuff that happened yesterday when we continue in the booth.